Hello friends! Um, I know it is not Sunday night, it is Monday night, but as yesterday was the Super Bowl, um, and hi friends, so I know that it's not um, Sunday night, it is Monday night, but as yesterday was the Super Bowl and I was at Updas in Memphis, I um, did not have office hours, so I um, wanted to do like an abbreviated, shorter office hours tonight. Um, so I had a few questions that people have already given me. If you have, forgive me, I've been on a plane all day. I look rough, 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 but um, I'm here to take your questions. So I have a few questions that people have already sent me that I want to answer, um, but if you have any questions that you want to ask um, today, please feel free to put them in the comments below. Um, so before I start, I want to say what I always say, which is, you know, all the answers that I give to questions are from my personal experience, from my experience in the offices that I've worked in, and you can hear what I'm saying and take it in, or you can hear it and say, that doesn't work for me and don't listen to me. That's absolutely fine by me. But I'm here, I'm a free resource for you, um, and I would love to be helpful in any way that I can. Hey Tyler, I'm sending you so much love too, I'm so glad you're here. Um, oh, hey thanks, the Calneck, honey, the Calneck life. Okay, so the first thing I want to say before I answer anybody's questions is this. Um, I spent my, um, the past five days of my life at a major theater conference where I watched about a thousand literally auditions, um, in four days, three days. Um, and so the one thing that I just like really want to say to everybody is there are different types of courage and bravery in this life. And it takes a certain kind of courage and a certain kind of bravery to be an actor to be a singer, to be a musician, to be someone who puts themselves out there in a way that um, is for someone else to assess. Uh, and I just am in awe completely and utterly with anyone who is willing to put themselves in that position. It is truly a gift every day to get to do what I do, um, to watch people do their work no matter what stage of their um, their journey that they're on and as someone who at one point in my life was like trying to do the thing when I was a lot younger um, I don't have that kind of courage and bravery that people who wake up every morning and do this do and so I really 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 appreciate it however as RuPaul and Spider-Man would say with great power comes great responsibility and with the power that you have of this courage and this strength that you have I do need to just reiterate very quickly that feedback is a part of your life, whether you like it or not. And that is gonna be the truth of the artist forever and a day. You cannot be an artist in a vacuum. And feedback and um, knowledge that other people have is something that you have to be able to hear, listen, and make changes about. And here's the thing, you can hear something and not agree with it at all. That's fine, you have two options in that moment though. You can hear it and make a change, or you can hear it and say, fuck that noise, I don't believe in that and I'm gonna prove why not. But you cannot live in the middle and being defensive will not help anyone get a job 
be a, a real, true, genuine, interesting artist. Um, it just won't serve your career. So I encourage you, if you hear something from me, if you hear something from somebody else, if you hear something from a coach or a CD or your parents or anybody, if it strikes a chord with you and makes you feel really uncomfortable, that probably means that you are doing that thing and you know it, or you're insecure about something, and honey, insecurity is a smelly, smelly, smelly disease. And anyone can smell it. I am. I have my moments of insecurity all the time. Let me be very frank about that. And people can smell it on you, and, and they don't necessarily want to work with you. They don't, they don't um, like it. And you cannot really be a successful performer with those kind of insecurities. So I just want to put that out there in that, you know, when you are in a career, which is a lot of careers, but especially in the performing arts, um, when maybe jobs are not always in your hands and you have to be the one, you know, who shows up to do the work and then someone else has to see it and respond. If someone gives you feedback, it's because they want you to be better. It's because they want you to be good. And to not hear it in that way is going to be detrimental to your career, to people hiring you, to people wanting to work with you in the future. And um, it's not my job to get feedback. I, I am the first person to say this. Like, I, I can get feedback, I can hear it, but like, I didn't sign up for a lifetime of that. If you signed up to be an actor, you have signed up for a lifetime of feedback. Period, the end, that's the truth. And that Meryl Streep gets feedback every day, whether she likes it or not. So I just want to put that out there that it's not my job for you to tell me that you don't agree with me or vice versa or whatever, um, but it is your job to be able to hear a note and take it and make a change. And I just say that only because people want artists to be successful. Casting people want people to be amazing. I know you hear that a thousand times a day, like, oh, they want you to be good, but like, we really, really, really want you to be good. Our job is to sit there and watch hundreds, thousands of people do, do work. We want that work to be amazing. It makes our job fun and interesting. It gives us options. It lets us see other things. So I just wanted to put that out there as something, um, to think about as like a start to office hours because I have put myself in a position where, you know, my job, I get feedback, right? Like I, people give me notes and people, um, people, uh, help me be better at my job. But, but the things in my job that I get feedback on don't have to do with physical appearance or what I'm wearing or the material that I'm choosing or those kind of things. And truly, all of those things play into your job. So if someone's trying to tell you something physically to help you or um, in terms of material or what you're wearing, like take that beat, listen to them, and, and maybe they'll be helpful. Okay? So that's what I wanted to start with. I've had a couple questions. It looks like I already got another one. Let's see. Um, this is a great question. Um, so... My girl, Azrael Cruz, who's just wonderful, just asked, if I want to be taken seriously as an actor, does it hurt or help to develop a large social media following that includes YouTube, fashion, makeup, and even promotions, etc.? I'm worried that putting too much effort into social media will take away from my ability to get legitimate acting work, despite having a built-in fan base. This is a really great question. Um, social media is one of those kind of mixed bags um, where you need it, and yet I hear what you're saying, and that it takes away from some of your time and perhaps some gigs. I think, you know, in my, an my answer to you is this. I, I clearly, personally, have spent 
quite some time with social media. For me, for what I do, social media of all different things can enhance my outreach towards people, right? So um, if you've checked out my Instagram, you can see that I work with lots of companies. I have sponsorships. I have all sorts of things that have helped me create a brand identity that makes people want to work with me on different levels for, for different types of things. Um, so it works really great for me. For actors, what I will say is social media is important on a lot of levels. Um, it helps people figure out, and I know I always talk about point of view and worldview and blah, 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 but it's really important. Every single aspect of what you put into the world tells people what you see, how you, how you envision the world, what you can bring to it. So here's the thing that I would say to you, love, is if makeup and fashion and um, personal appearance and, and helping other people acquire those uh, those those things to make their lives better is important to you, then I say it's worth putting your effort into it. I think it's absolutely worth taking real time and effort and putting, you know, figuring out how you can best tell stories, how you can best help people through your social media and, and, and through that. Um, I mean, you're an incredible makeup artist. I've seen your work as, so I, I know what you do. Um, and I think you could help a lot of people and empower a lot of women through that. Now, what I will say is that then becomes about you telling your personal story. And I think that can lead to a lot of great things. It puts yourself out there. It might get you um, seen for, you know, um, you talk like it. That becomes much more of a talk show thing. That becomes much more of like a guest on the Today Show talking about makeup trends kind of thing in terms of what you're seen as on social media. However, people are allowed to have passions. People are allowed to have other side hustles. People do all those things and then they're still actors. You know what I mean? So... I think any sort of following that you can create, as long as it's something that you um, really enjoy, that you're really passionate about, that you can make money off of, especially if that's what you're talking about, like, honey, get your bank monies. Um, I don't see any problem with it. The only thing that becomes tricky is, let's say you're doing your thing and you have all these sponsorships, right, which are great and they will come, I promise you, as someone who has sponsorships, they're awesome, um, who doesn't love free stuff. However, let's say you're also auditioning on the side and you're, um, you book a TV show. There could and there probably will be conflict of interest that happens there. So that's something that you would have to navigate later down the line. Um, and it's just something to always keep in mind in terms of um, if you sign contracts and you have to you know, hold up your end of them. If something else comes along and you can't hold up that end of that contract that you've signed with a company that's sponsoring you or, or whatnot, um, you have to know that it is... It's a job and you've signed a contract and you can't get out of it. You know what I mean? So that's just something to navigate. But I will say, whether we like it or not, whether the industry is like excited about talking about it or not, social media following does play into certain jobs. Not every job. Let me be very clear. Not every professional acting job is reliant on you having a million social media followers. It doesn't. It doesn't, you know, if you come in and you blow somebody away, you can still book. But I will say, if, um, if you but I will say that if you go in for something and it's like you could use your social media to help promote a show especially if it's for something that's smaller a web series right or um, something where your social media presence could be very helpful in the promotion of a show you're probably gonna get the job over the person who doesn't have that so it is something to think about however I'm gonna move on but I will say my one little caveat about social media do not put it on the internet if you don't want everybody to see it 
When I'm looking for stuff, especially for people who aren't maybe super well known or who don't have agents, I stalk you on the internet. Straight up, I stalk you. I look at your Twitter, I look at your Instagram, I look at your Facebook, because it also depends on the job, right? If I'm casting for a cruise ship, I gotta know that I can put you on a ship. So I look at your life, I try to find videos of you singing if you don't have it, so I'll stalk your Instagram to see if there's any footage of you singing somewhere. So if you don't want someone like me to see it, don't put it on the internet. That's my caveat, I've done it. Okay, I have more questions. So, let's see. Um, advice on personal branding, absolutely I have that. Um, and I'd love, to, Ben, to talk to you at some point. I know you sent me a message. Um, so I'm gonna write you back. I'm sorry, I've been at a conference and I haven't been able to get back to you, but I would love to talk to you about your show and I'd love to talk about branding. Um, okay, so I have another question here that says, hey, I'm an actor who's interested in working in both theater and television. How do I balance my auditioning and choosing classes at the beginning of my career without getting burnt out or confusing the casting world as to what is important to me? Great question. Um, so I always, first and foremost, when it comes to people who say they're interested in both, both, both theater and film and TV, as entities. My first question is always, what do you really know about film and TV? If I were to get you a job, right, like if, if you walked into Julie Schubert's office and she booked you on something, could you go to set and have a director give you technical direction, technical, not anything like emotional, not anything about the scene work, but like technical direction, get from point A to point B, and you can do it. Can you do that? If you can't take technical direction from a director, then the first thing you need to do is take some film and TV classes. And just because you're taking a film and TV class doesn't mean that that's going to make, like, theater CDs not bring you in for appointments. You know what I mean? Um, I think the expectation now in New York, every actor that I talk to is like, I want to do film and TV. And I'm like, I'm surprised. Um, so I think the expectation kind of pretty much is that anyone in New York now is doing both. Um, so I don't think you're confusing anybody, if I'm being really honest. Um, it's, it, it's just kind of the norm that most people are interested in doing all of it. Um, not to say if you're not interested in doing all of it, you're doing it wrong. You're not. But I think nobody's really surprised when someone's like, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that. What I will say is it, it's surprising when someone says to me they really want to do it, and yet there's nothing on their resume to show that they have done it or that they're taking a class or that, you know, they've done master classes. And it, you, that's surprising to me when someone's like, I really want to do it, but they haven't done a student film. They haven't been in a web series. They haven't gone to, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, Actors Connection, Actors Launchpad, any of these places and taken a class. Um, so that, to me, is uh, the first step there. Hold on, I'm going to pull your question back up because I got off track. Um, how do I balance my auditioning and choosing classes at the beginning of my career without getting burnt out and or confusing the casting world? So like I said, I don't think it's really confusing to the casting world by any means. Um, in fact, most lots of offices now are doing both, so people know to be looking for you for both things. Um, but in terms of classes, the first class I always say is you need like a technical class. How do you act on film? How does that happen on film? I mean, it's all digital now, but you know what I mean? TV and film, how do you technically do it? And then I also think that once you feel confident in that, it's really about being strategic, breaking down what CDs in the city are doing work that you're right for, right? And then, um, and then 
seeing if there are ways to meet those people, like I said, one-on-one, actors on fed, going directly to the source and working with them, taking their feedback, taking their criticism, meeting them, showing them who you are, showing them your personality. That's how those doors are going to start opening to you. And I think that um, the technical classes will help you foster your love for film and TV and not burn you out, um, which... Uh, is going to be helpful. Um, and if you're interested in taking classes for theater as well, I'm not sure if that's part of the question. So just like comment below and I'll respond to you. I hope that was helpful. If not, ask me another question and I'll do follow up. Sherry has a question. Yeah, I want to see more. Okay, there are many actors who could really use feedback but never get the opportunity to because they go to open calls, EPAs, and casting directors don't give feedback to agents like they used to. The only feedback is getting or not getting a callback. What do you suggest for artists especially just out of school? That is a great question from the incomparably perfect and amazing Sherry Sanders. If you don't know who Sherry Sanders is, people watching this video, you need to go to the search bar and you need to type in Rock the Audition, you need to type in Sherry Sanders and you need to find her. She's a genius. She will work with you as a whole artist on everything, but particularly how to sing rock pop music and how to... Um, all of these things. She's a genius. So look her up. Um, take classes with her. She just launched an incredible online program. You know I love an online program, so go check that out. In response to that question, though, I think you're super right. Once you leave an educational environment, that feedback window kind of... Uh, dwindles it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and you know you've gone to school most of you have probably gone to school for theater and you were used to taking class every day and taking master classes and doing all of these things um and then all of a sudden it kind of goes away first and foremost you know when you walk out of an audition some of the things that you did that probably were not great. So I encourage you and, you know, everyone encourages people to do this, but to really take some time for self-assessment, A, after an audition and sit down and write down the things that you were like, mm, maybe that wasn't so great, um, and how to make it better next time. That's self-assessment. Self-assessment is not always great, but it is super helpful. Don't just walk out of an audition and not think about it. Think about what you did well. Think about what you could improve on. And um, think about if there is anybody in that room that you could reach out to for feedback. If you knew anybody, take a beat and figure out how to approach them for that. Um, the other thing that I think every single person needs to be doing is finding a coach doesn't have to be me, but I'm here if, it, if you want it to be me. Finding a friend, finding a class. Um, there are people in this city who want to be helpers. Like Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers. Look for the helpers. We're here. We want to help you. And a lot of times that's going to be in the form of a paid class right? Um, and I know that that's hard. Everyone is at a different place financially, but there are classes at a lot of different financial levels. And if this is the career that you want, you have to invest in yourself. You have to. And any other professional athlete, professional in general, CEOs of major corporations are taking courses on how to be a good public speaker. Professional athletes are taking ballet classes. Like, Every professional who is great at what they do continues their training. Professors at schools continue taking classes in other departments to keep their brains going. So the, in order to get the feedback that you want to get, you have to find a way. Two years ago, I started this thing with my dear friend Ryan Speakman, who's a treasure trove called Our Time, which has kind of dwindled away. Um, but 
it was basically people coming together, artists coming together, renting a space, paying an accompanist, and practicing audition material in front of each other, and peers giving each other peer, you know, resource um, feedback. And it was the same kind of situation where you stood up and you were like, I really, I'm open to feedback, or I'm going to stay in here, I'm going to sing my song and work through it, and if you have a thought, please share it with me in private. But it was a way to practice. You can do that too. You can do that too. You can rent a studio, you can bring your friends together, you can have these moments where you work on your craft, but you have to get together and you have to ask people what's going on because you self-assessment is great and important and vital, but you have to have other people give you feedback. The other truth is if you don't practice the art of getting feedback, whether you take it or not, it reads all over your face. Being defensive and not taking a note or not taking um, a note about appearance, not taking a note about those things, um, it's really not sexy. And it's not something people want to work with. And it's also not easy to hear. <laughs> like, I'm the queen of it. There's a reason I do not do professional performance because I'm no good at hearing it, if I'm being, like, very vulnerable and honest with you. Um, however... I also am not signing up for a director to give me feedback for my performance for a lifetime. And as an actor, that's what you're, you know, that's part of why you're getting a paycheck is to be the vessel that explores someone else's vision. That's kind of the truth. So if you don't consistently get feedback frequently, um, and you kind of lose the art form of hearing it, it becomes really easy to read on your face that you don't like what you're hearing and that is inhibiting in a rehearsal space. It's uh, hard for a director to work with, and it's also hard to hire. So I think that's that's kind of my advice in, in that, is you gotta find a coach that you trust, you gotta find a class that you like, or if you don't like classes and you don't like coaches, but you like your friends and you think they're smart and they all you know have BFE, BFEs, I don't know what a BFE is, but a BFA, um, bring them together and, and, and create your own version of a master class. Do whatever it takes to have somebody else tell you how to be better. We all like Oprah for a reason, right? Like she taught us how to be better humans. She taught us what to read. She taught us what to wear. She taught us how to listen to poets. She taught us about music and art. And because of that, we appreciated her. You have to be able to do the same in your life. So I encourage you to kind of find your own Oprahs, whatever that means to you. Um, and, uh, and I think that's the best way, especially kind of coming out of school. You got to create your own, create your own version of university for the rest of your life. Never stop learning and never stop listening ever, 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 ever. All right. I think I have some more uh, things here. Let's see. Um, click, click, click. My phone's about to die, friends. So here's hoping I can find this, these questions. I had some questions from before as well that I do want to answer, and one of them is very important that I get to. So, um, my sweet friend Remy, who's a tremendous talent, was asking me about, um, she plays a lot of kids. She tends to get typecast as, um, like, 11-year-olds, and she's not 11. Um, and is there a way... I want to actually find the exact wording. Excuse me as I move you around, because I don't want to put words into her mouth. Um, but, let's see, let's see. She said... Come on, Internet. 
Come on, pull through, Internet. She said, I'm getting cast a lot as 11-year-olds. I love working and I love accessing this part of myself. But there are high schoolers and even college students I would like to play. Um, how do I dress older or put forth an older vibe so I can expand my versatility and play a wider range of roles? This is a great question, and it's a multi-part answer. I, I, I was thinking about it on the plane. Um, so first and foremost, for anybody who has a tendency to uh, get cast as younger people, um, in this industry, I have noticed a trend. You are either going to hire a child to play a child or you're going to hire someone over 18 to play a 16-year-old because of legalities, right? This is how this works. We all know this. If you are being cast as a child a lot and you want to change your kind of the things, the way the industry looks at you, what lists you might be on, um, I would encourage you to stop and take a beat first and say, like, am I working consistently? Is it worth the moment in time, the struggle that it's going to take to um, kind of get a new image of myself in the industry? Is it, am I at a place where I'm ready to really invest in that? Is it worth getting off of those lists where I'm consistently getting work? Right? Because it's that thing that I talk about a lot where you have to say it with me, friends who watch Office Hours. You have to do one thing a lot until someone's going to give you a chance to do something different. Um, I call it Sutton Foster Syndrome. If you don't know what that means, go back and watch Office Hours. I talk about it a lot. Um, if you are at a place where you are ready to make a change and you want to be seen differently, I think there are a lot of things that you can do to physically change your appearance um, to make yourself look different in the room. I'm always going to say my caveat, which is nobody ever has to look like me. Nobody ever has to dress a certain way in their real life. Nobody ever has to wear makeup in real life. Men, you can wear whatever you want. Women, you can wear whatever you want. But the second you walk through a door in an audition, you, those rules don't apply anymore. They don't apply anymore. There are rules. There are things. There are trends. You have to remember that a casting director sits in a room, not just casting director, anybody who is in that room on the other side of the table, and I say CDs because this is like what they do every day, but anyone who's in that room on the other side of the table is going to see trends. You know, I, I posted a picture of um, nude patent leather heels on my Facebook wall the other day and said, throw these away. And I got a message that um, someone was a little, was kind of hurt by that. And I completely, uh, I, in no way, shape, or form meant to hurt anyone's feelings as I have owned a pair of those shoes in my life as well. Thank you, Kate Middleton, for making them hella trendy. Um, but when you see them 99 times a day, what starts to happen when you're on the other side of the table is everyone starts to kind of blend together. Um, and I encourage you to really take the time to, you know, I am of the ilk. What you wear is not important if you come in and you, and the work is the most important, but what you wear is important um, if it helps tell a story of what you, who you are, what you're trying to be, what you want to be. Um, and so for me, that's, that's my whole life. Um, you know, I, I, I can't separate the two, but if, if you want to step into an audition room um, and, and be perceived specifically as something, what you wear is going to be a huge part of what that is. So for you, Remy, or for anybody who tends to be, you know, uh, looked at as younger, I think one of the, there are three things that young people, especially women, don't do. That is, they don't or shouldn't wear makeup, they don't or shouldn't wear heels, and they don't or shouldn't have interesting haircuts. 
Now, this all sounds very like basic, but it's really the truth. These are the three things that take a girl to a woman in very like heteronormative, um, stereotypical world. Again, I don't, I don't care what man is wearing heels, what woman has a buzz cut, and all of the above. I think everyone is beautiful and interesting and fascinating. But if we're talking about, you know, what to wear in a room right now for who you are specifically, love, um, I think that haircuts make a huge difference. I talk a lot about a cool girl haircut. Um, anyone who's worked with me one-on-one -on -one knows about my cool girl haircut line, which is... If you want to be a cool girl, you got to have a cool girl haircut. It's the hardest thing in the world to say. Try to say cool girl haircut three times fast. You can't. Um, so one of the things I would really encourage anybody, especially um, uh, to think about is long hair with no layers is what little girls have. Um, and it really encourages, in my brain, at least as a casting director, when I see that, when I see like a, a non-specific color that's long with no layers, I think that's a little girl haircut. Also, flats always to me say you are um, not quite as mature. Um, I need to see people who can walk in heels. I need to know that that's something. Now, again, not every woman walks in heels. Please hear me when I say this. Not every woman needs to wear, wear heels. But if someone is specifically asking me what they can do to come across as a more mature woman when they tend to be looked at as a younger person, I would say heels are definitely a way to make that happen. A, a, a very adult looking shoe is definitely something to do and of course makeup is clearly something that's going to aid you as well makeup is is a wonderful tool for um really crafting a strong cheekbone creating a darker eyebrow making a big lash these are things that children don't have so if there's a way to really create um uh, a sense of maturity in your outfits that way um i I cannot begin to tell you, I think, what a difference that will make in terms of what people are looking for. And this goes for you too, men. For men, it's a little bit different, but I will say the difference between like a boy and an adult man that we typically see is, is, um, is muscle right? That's really what it is. Because there's not a huge difference. It sounds strange in like what men and what boys wear, especially since now lots of boys are wearing suits. Um, but, uh, if you don't like that you keep consistently being seen for younger men as well, it might be time to hit the gym. And again, I think your body is beautiful. I think everybody is beautiful. But when it comes to um, fulfilling kind of certain needs in terms of what people are looking for, um, that's kind of a big part of the difference. So if you tend to find that you keep getting called in for younger boys um, and that's not what you want to be doing, and again, maybe it is what you want to be doing, and if so, honey, don't touch yourself. You're beautiful and you're perfect. Yes, but if it's not, if, you're, if you would like to do other things, that's kind of the biggest thing that uh, uh, you can do in that realm. So I hope that answered that question. If anyone has any follow-up questions about that, please feel free to ask. Um, I had another question, and I want to find it. Um, great, thanks for that idea. Okay, we'll be here for each other. Yes, all of this is great. Um, oh, I did have another question from earlier today. So this is a question about business cards, which is something I've talked about a whole lot, so I'm not going to go into great depth about it. Feel free to go back and look at um, some of my other office hours again. But I will say my very quick spiel about business cards, they are wildly important. Go to moo.com, M-O-O.com, for the best 
quality business cards at an affordable price. Your business card should always have your face on it, no matter what profession you're in, because in this world where we're so used to things like Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram and Tumblr where we can look at someone's face, it's vital to have your face in the palm of someone's hand when you hand them a card. Again, I don't care what business you're in. I think that's important, but especially in the performing arts. Um, and uh, it should be a memorable photo, and it should be a beautiful photo. It should be something that makes you feel confident. It should be something that makes your uh, your worldview, your brand, if you will, um, shine through on your card. And every single element of a card tells a story down to the font. So I would take time to really assess what makes you feel most like you in terms of a visual representation, and it needs to be on the card. Period. The end. Um, so I think I've answered all of the questions that have been thrown at me so far. Does anyone else have a question for me? Um, there is one other thing that I definitely wanted to talk about in response to the question that Sherry asked earlier. I have to drink some water. I'm so sorry. From my totally beachin' water bottle. Mm. So... Sherry definitely said in, in her question, which was wonderful, um, that you don't get a lot of feedbacks from open calls, EPAs, and casting directors don't give feedback to agents like they used to. All of that is 100% very true. Like I said before, Sherry knows what she's talking about. She is a tremendous human being and instructor and asset to this community. Um, when it comes to uh, asking for feedback from professionals, I do also just want to take this beat. Um, there's, a, there's a healthy way to ask for um, feedback, and there's a not-so-healthy and aggressive way to ask for feedback. And I would just remind you that, you know, I've been talking a lot about um, how being defensive and not being able to take notes is unattractive. There's also something very unattractive about putting, um, putting your opinions on somebody else, if you know what I mean. So like, if you want to ask for feedback because you feel like something either happened in the room that you didn't, you didn't feel good about, or, um, you have insecurities about what happened in the space, when you're asking a person for feedback, um, it doesn't help to put the insecurity on somebody else, right? Like, we all have them, we all have things that are happening in our lives, but if there's something that you're concerned about or um, something that you don't feel great about, like I said before, don't put your insecurity on somebody else. Ask the question from a place of vulnerability, from a place of humbleness, from a place of genuine curiosity, because that's when it's actually going to manifest in you in a way when you're actually going to be able to hear the response that you've asked for. And Sorry, my cat is jumping on the table, so if it's wobbly, I apologize. Um, if you ask from a place of of gratitude and hum and, and humility, um, you're actually going to be able to hear the response better. And I just really encourage you to do that, especially when talking to a professional who, whether you like it or not, is probably in a position of power, at least in terms of opening doors for you. Um, because approaching that, approaching asking for feedback from a place of negativity is really unattractive and you're probably not going to get the feedback that you want, right? I struggle to respond to someone when I feel like I'm being attacked. Um, and 
especially because people who work in casting or are coaches or are directors, I feel like take some time to learn, or they should, I hope they do, God, I hope they do, learn how to give feedback in a constructive, empathetic way. Not pathetic, but empathetic um, way. And a lot of times I don't feel like that necessarily comes back towards us. So just some food for thought. Looks like I got another question. It says, hold on, please. Um, where is it? Oh, there we go. On the subject of self-presentation, I find that I often have people tell me that I have more of a classic golden age look, yum, uh, which gets reflected in my resume. While I enjoy that kind of material, I ultimately prefer and feel that I excel at more contemporary musical theater and pop. Yes, you do, honey. I love your pop voice. Should I do anything with my appearance to adjust others' perceptions of the work I can do? This is a really, 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 really great question, and I'm so glad that you asked it, Dylan. You are a rock star. Um, so, yes, absolutely. Here's something great. Um, what you're saying is you have versatility, which is always wonderful. However, versatility, of course, always can bite you in the ass, too, because it makes you um, a little less specific. So, um, you know, if people are consistently telling you that you have a golden age look, that means that you're probably on lists for classic musicals, because that's how people see you and how they perceive you. And like you said, your resume, which I looked at recently, um, does reflect that you do that well. And we're coming to a time where um, not a whole lot of people do that well. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't like Golden Age musicals, and they get produced everywhere because you know who likes Golden Age musicals? A lot of nerds like me, and also um, generations of people who are going to be paying for tickets in, in lots of regional hubs. Um, so they still get produced and we still need actors who can sing them and, and do them beautifully. So being on that list is not a problem. However, if you want to do something to kind of shake up that image, you know, I know you, Dill, I know um, how great you dress and what you physically look like, which is awesome. Um, you're doing great things, but that's cycle body, honey. But um, I do think that a lot of it also has to do not only with what you wear, which, of course, I know that most people know how to, that they would dress differently for an audition for, like, Carousel than they probably would for an audition for Next to Normal. I'm assuming people who do this professionally know that they would, they would wear probably different things for those auditions, including, like, different shoes, right? I would not expect you to go to a Carousel audition wearing chucks. Um, wearing like Converse sneakers, but for next to normal, you probably would. I would not expect you to go to that carousel audition wearing a t-shirt, um, but for next to normal audition, it wouldn't bother me at all. Um, the type of jeans that you might wear would be different. Even the bag that you carry into the room with your stuff in it might be different. Every single aspect of your body is a prop. Um, so that's the one thing that I always, I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. Every aspect of your body is a prop. It tells a story. Every piece of it, right? Every bit of it, from for women, from your earrings to your rings to all of that. So for you, um, specifically for a man, I think uh, in terms of contemporary stuff, it really is about feeling the freedom to not have to dress up as much. There's still this kind of stigma in our industry that you have to dress up beautifully for every audition, and I just don't think that's necessarily true. It's giving yourself permission to dress more like you do as a human on your days off. Um, that's going to make you feel a little more contemporary. The other thing is it's so much about how you walk in the room. So much of 
storytelling and how you present yourself, um, or excuse me, so much of how you are perceived and looked at is about how you walk into a space. And you have so much control over what you bring to the space simply based on how you talk, how you walk, all of these things. You could be in the same outfit. You could wear the same outfit to two different auditions and be perceived wildly differently simply by the way that you speak, by your speaking voice, by the way that you open the door and walk into the space, the, the, um, the cadence of your walk, all of these things, context, context, context. I cannot talk about context enough. The men of Carousel do not carry themselves, Billy Bigelow does not carry himself the same way that any man in, I'll say next normal again since that's where we are, would. And so I think it's way more even than just what you wear. And of course, also someone like you with your hair, physically like we gel our hair a little bit more style, more product for a period piece than we would for a contemporary piece, these kind of things. But so much more about it is the energy that you bring to the space. You know, I did auditions for a show that um, was uh, very cool. Like, it was just, we needed cool, contemporary, vocal, riff-tastic people. I remember sitting on the other side of the table, I actually looked at a woman who I think is tremendous, and after her audition, I was like, I don't think I'll ever know what it feels like to be as cool as you are. I mean, I, I know I will never feel that way because I am not cool. I'm inherently not cool, let me tell you. But the thing that made her feel contemporary was her energy. It was that kind of, um, not like disenchanted. She was very present and very excited to be there, but this kind of, um, we've been given permission in our contemporary world to be selfish. We have been given permission to, in fact, we live in a time of selfies. Like, we have been given permission to not put on a performance all the time. Um, we have been given, especially women and, and, and men, have been given permission to be vulnerable and to be um, less like, I'm doing this for you. <sighs> but in the past, that was not the case, right? Contextually, if we think about life pre- 1970, our world was very different, and it was about being presentational and perfect and um, speaking very affluently, and, and uh, that, I think, is something you can specifically think of. Now, clearly, I am a very, like, pre-1970s baby. I walk into a room, and I'm not cool. I speak very eloquently. I wear my pearls, right? But if I were going in for a production... That was not that thing, which I probably wouldn't because I know who I am. But if I was called in and I wanted to try, I would make a very, very valiant effort, specific effort, to try to not be some of the things that I naturally am. Because I know the context of, of what it is. Um, does that make sense, Dylan? Does that make sense to you? That it's almost less what you wear and more how you talk. How you interact with the accompanist, how you interact with the people behind the table, what your physical body is doing. There's much more of a relaxed feel if you're coming in for a contemporary, much less of this like space, you know, you know, people have a tendency to go to musical theater voice. Everything lives here. And contemporary people do not do that. But I will say like people in the forties kind of did talk like this. It wasn't, it wasn't quite so theater drastic, but it definitely was a little more presentational. We don't talk like that anymore. So I think that's kind of my note there. Um, does that make sense, Dill? Please 
let me know. Um, I would love to hear that. And that I'm so glad that you love office hours and that you give them, you consistently reference it to your students. I'm so grateful. That is so kind and generous. Good, Dylan. I'm so glad that that um, was helpful and that it was good to hear. Um, so I've been chatting now for about 45 minutes. Oh, just curious and sorry if you said what you're casting up does i was at updes representing um celebrity cruises um which is a company that i work for a lot and i love working with them so i was there looking for people for them um and it was wonderful oh i have a question here let's see um and uh sorry for your cover do you think that you share harmful to resume and brand okay this question is do you think that doing Actors' Equity Association, AEA, showcases are harmful or hurtful to the resume and brand? While they aren't always affordable, they do keep me in the city and give some mild exposure. Okay, I need a sip of water and then I'll answer that question. Mm. So, I... Great. Here's the thing. When it comes to paid showcases of any kind, and that means like big regional auditions like we were just talking about at UPDAS, um, or SETCs, NETCs, Straw Hats, um, equity showcases in the city, um, here's, here's what's up. People are at different places in their journey. People had different college experiences. People had different showcase experiences. Um, people have come to this career at different times and different things. So. This is a very personal question, and I can't answer it for everybody. But what I will say is, if, you're, if you are at a place where you really do need people to see the work that you do, um, and you have a certain amount of money that you're willing to pay, that you've budgeted, let's say, every month for certain things, I think what's, what's most important is to sit down with somebody else, specifically like a coach, um, to, to plot out what's going to be the most um, valuable use of your money and time, right? Is that meeting with, are you at a place where you need to be meeting agents and managers? Are you at a place where you need to be meeting more CDs because that's going to be more helpful? Are you at a place where you really just want to stand up and perform material and um, think that that being in front of anybody that you can be is is important um and for me i am always if i'm your coach i'm always going to say specificity is the way to go now something like what i did this weekend was so great right because so many people from all over the country came um at very different places in their careers and there are tons of theaters in one space who are all looking for all sorts of different um bodies different ages, different types, different things. So you know going into something like that, probably 70% of the people there are not going to be for you, but the 30% who are, you get to show them what you have in 90 seconds and it's great. Um, but especially if you're in New York and you're a New York-based actor, I think sitting down and coming up with a list of the specific people that are actually potentially going to be helpful to your future and finding a way to get in front of them is a smarter way to spend your money. Now, other people might disagree with me. Um, other people might tell you to that showcase, 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 that is the way to do it. Um, but I think that what I have learned in my life across pretty much all fields is taking the time for self-assessment, figuring out 
how, uh, what people are going to be helpful to you um, and how to get in front of them and, and become useful for them. That's always the smarter answer, especially when money is involved. And, you know, in New York, money is involved with everything. Um, and in some way, shape, or form, it's involved with everything. So, um, you know, again, that's a very specific personal journey question. And, uh, you know, to the person who sent me that private message, I would love to chat with you about it and try to make a plan with you. Um, but if I'm not your coach, that's totally fine. Find somebody else to talk to or, or do some own, your own self-exploration. But I always think that um, like a classroom setting, a one-on-one setting, um, a way to do private coaching with someone if they do private coaching sessions um, is or a class, a master class is always going to be the kind of best and most informative way to meet people um, and to be seen. That's just my opinion. Um, Okay, so I have about 10 more minutes left if people still have questions for me. If not, I might bounce a little bit early because it's been a really long week. And I'm in session again tomorrow. So if anyone has any other kind of last-minute questions, I'm just going to go through and see uh, if anybody else threw a question in here that I missed. Um, These are all great. I think I answered that. Uh, Personal branding I talked about. Uh, social media, I talked about feedback, I talked about. I think I answered all the questions from earlier today. Let's see, I got her question and her question. Was there one here? Um, lots of people asked me today if I would help with their websites. For those of you who don't know, I do also help with websites. If anyone needs any advice on those, please feel free to sign up for a coaching with me. I always talk with my clients about their website and personal branding. Here is one thing I will say about that. Oh, you're welcome. Who just said that to me? Oh, Jenny, you're welcome. Um, one thing I will say about websites. You have to have contact information on your website. The two and only two things I need on your website are some sort of media that shows me what you do. Are you a singer? I need to see you singing. I don't care if it's you in front of an iPhone. I just have to hear it. I have to have that. I don't care about a bio. Like, you know, I I want to see you sing and I want a resume that has direct contact information on it. That can either be your agent, if that's who you do all of your appointments through, or it has to be an email address for you. I am not going to send you a message through one of those contact forms. I'm not going to do it, and neither is any other CD that's scouting through the Internet. They're just not going to do it. They're not going to waste their time. I want a direct email address. Now, if you don't want an email address out in the universe that's your personal address, I totally get it. Go to gmail.com tonight and create, like, Kate Lumpkin Actor at gmail.com and have that on your website. Make sure you check that every day if that's the case. But I cannot tell you how frustrating it is, especially when I work on something where um, it might be a lot of, like, first people jobs or I'm not or first people jobs, first jobs for people. Or if I'm trying to, you know, scout people who are going to graduate from college soon or maybe don't have agents. If I'm taking the time to look on the internet to find your website, which happens all the time, P.S., no matter what stage of your career you're in, and I get to your website and your resume doesn't have an email address and the contact page doesn't have an email address, and I'm thinking now I have to like find you on Twitter and DM you, it's not worth my time. And I'm not going to do that contact sheet. I'm not going to do it because lots of times I want to send you a direct appointment. And I'm not going to put the appointment information in that little like contact me box, right? Granted, I know, on my website, I have a contact me box, but um, that's a totally different 
It's a totally different thing. So for actors, that is the one thing I'm going to say about your website. I want a picture of you that looks like you. I want media that shows me what you do. And it's so much more preferable to have a visual of you singing and dancing or singing more than a voiceover reel-esque kind of thing or a, just like a clip of you singing because I don't necessarily know that that's what you really sound like. That can be edited. I want to see it live. I want to see what you sound like. And I need a resume with a direct contact, not a form. So that is my spiel about those but I definitely do help with those. Okay, friends, I don't think I have any more questions, so I am going to go. I think you guys are all tremendously brave, courageous human beings. I'm so proud to be in the same community as all of you. Um, it makes my heart warm every day to get to do what I do, um, and I am in awe of anyone who's going to stand up in front of other people and share their gifts. It is a tremendous responsibility and a tremendously courageous act that you all that we all, that we all do um, in this industry to share our art and to be brave, soul-bearing people. So on that note, I appreciate all of you. I appreciate your questions. I am always here for you. If you have a question or if you'd like to coach with me or if you'd like to bring me in to talk to a class, whatever it is that you want to do, feel free to reach out to me either here on Facebook or send me an email at katelumpkincasting at gmail.com. I will always try to get back to you as soon as I can. I hope you have a wonderful week um, and I should be here this Sunday to chat with you if you have any more questions okay um, love you all so much and I hope you have a great week okay I'll talk to you later bye